Uh, we are going to be continuing our message, right? We've been two weeks on this, and so we are going to be on I Will Part 3 today. And I'm really excited for us to continue to study this out and what Deuteronomy 6 says uh, about the blessings of God and the promises of God. Has anybody had an opportunity to believe that God can and will for you this week? Amen. Has anybody had an opportunity to doubt that God can or will for you this week? Right? We have, it's a daily thing. I can believe or I can, I can doubt, right? And God can and he will. Amen. But the thing is, will you let him? Right? Will you let him come into your life? Will you release and surrender that control of your flesh and of your mind? If you will for him, he will for us. Do you see that? Right? It's all about faith and it's all about the surrender. So last week, we, we tackled the first three I will statements that come out of Exodus, right? Our foundational scripture, Exodus 6, 5 through 8. You can go ahead and turn there if you want, Drew. And so we'll, we'll talk about the last four I will statements today. But just to kind of recap real quick. So we covered the, the first three in Exodus 6 last week, right? And God declares, he says, I'll bring you out. The first one, the second one was, I will rescue you and I will redeem you. So we learned last week that Jesus, he is literally our burden bearer. He can, he can withstand the load of life that is on your life. And we load those burdens up, I said last week. We load it up. We pile it on. We pile it on our backs. And Jesus says, if you come to me, if you believe in me, I can not just carry load, I can pick you up and take you where God wants to take you, right? He becomes our burden bearer. Uh, we learn that he will rescue us, right? So he's our bondage breaker. He breaks the bondage of sin, the bondage of the lies of the enemy. He breaks the bondage, the yoke of bondage, and he gives us freedom and he liberates us, right? And we learn that he is our rescuer, and our Redeemer. Amen. Anybody been rescued by the blood of the Lamb? Amen. If you've been rescued, you know what you've experienced in your life, what God brought you from, and where he is currently taking you, right? Jesus did that for us. So let's look at Exodus 6, 5, right? We'll read the whole portion of our foundational scripture and be thinking about those last four I will statements. That's what we're going to talk about today as we go through this. So verse 5, it says, I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel from whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. I have remembered my covenant. Before, uh, therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with the great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. This is where we are getting this whole message, this whole promise in the word of God that God can and that God will for your life. If you believe it, he can and he will. And actually, Jesus fulfills this whole scripture. See, God first said it, God first spoke it, 
But when Jesus actually was born in the earth and Jesus lived his life and Jesus had three and a half years of ministry on the earth and Jesus was crucified on the cross, every single one of these I will statements became yes and amen for you and for me. It's, it's that stamp of approval from God that says, this is my son. Everything that I've said and spoken, every promise that I've uttered uh, in the Old Testament, on through the New Testament, through my son Jesus, is yes and amen for you, if you believe. 2 Corinthians 1.20, let me prove it to you. That every promise in God's word through Jesus Christ in your life is, in fact, yes and amen. It says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. If you're paying attention, somebody say yes. Yes, Yes, with a resounding yes, Paul says. And through Christ, our amen ascends to God for his glory. Amen. God's answer to you through Jesus Christ, no matter what you're going through, hear me, is yes. Now, I said last week, God's yes is always a forever yes, but it doesn't mean right now. <laughs> God's yes is always yes, but it doesn't mean right now. Is that okay with somebody? <laughs> Amen. Right? Because we want it now. It's like, God, I hear you. I see you. I can almost see it. I can taste it. I can feel the blessing. It's like, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. And he says, it's yes. Believe it. Agree with me. I shared with y'all last week, if you study amen out, it means let it be. Let it be. So God, I believe. I say amen. I release it and I wait and with anticipation and expectation. Amen. That it's going to get better before it gets worse. Amen. That God's yes is yes in my life in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a yes, but it's not right now. For me to agree with God, how God says yes to you, oh, affinity, yes. He says, yes, yes, you're blessed, yes, I will, yes, I'm going to, yes, your children, yes, your grandchildren, yes, the blessing of God. He says yes to us so easy. And I want you to see this this morning. Your yes to God is your faith. Imagine how many times God says yes over you. And how many times we tell God, not yet. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? And he still says yes. And Jesus is still at the right hand of God praying, interceding for you. Say, God, I know it don't look good right now. Give them grace, right? Give them grace. Just wait. Them seeds, the faith is there. And it's your faith that agrees with God that actually is your yes to God. If you're not walking in faith with God, you're walking in Faith and agreement with the enemy. You can't walk with faith and agreement with the enemy and who he says that he thinks that you are uh, and who God actually says that you are at the same time. So you're either walking with the enemy and that's, that can look a million different ways. Right? You know that. You're smart. Or I can walk with God. And when I allow God to lead me, that's my yes to God by my faith. Do you see that? Amen. So this morning, that, that um, fourth I will that we're going to look at today, that we just read in Exodus 6, okay? So all these promises through Jesus, I hope we've established that, are yes. So God says, through Jesus, I will take you, excuse me, as my people. 
This is a promise of family and community. Through Christ, we are not abandoned, excuse me, isolated or separated. We are adopted into his family with brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters, and a few crazy uncles, right? <laughs> you live long enough, uh, if you have a crazy uncle, if you live long enough, you might become the crazy uncle. <laughs> oh, Pastor Sam and John Wesley or Arab Campus, they're pregnant, about to have a baby, and one day I might be that crazy uncle. I don't know. Amen. It, this is Liberty Church. We got some crazy, crazy folks in the house. Come on, Jesus. Be honest. He set me free, but hey, it's all good. And so, but that's what God does through Jesus. God said in Exodus 6 that I will take you as my people. You know, when God chooses you, he has plans and a purpose for you. He don't just choose you just, just to choose. He, he loves you and he wants to choose you, but he is going to set you up not just for success, but he is going to build your life upon the rock and, and, and bring people that you can trust, godly uh, people that love you and accept you for who you are to, to, to surround you with, to continue to reflect the love of Christ and the love of God and the acceptance of God. And so God says, I'm going to choose you as my people, as my people, and I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you. I know that I myself, God the Father, am separated from you right now in heaven, and you're, you're on earth doing life. You know what? And Jesus is actually... In heaven with me, but I have the Holy Spirit. I've sent him to comfort you, to lead you, to guide you, and to be with you. I choose you as my people. And if so many people would just know, see, the world twists the love of God and what it really is and what it means. And if God is love, then why do all these bad things happen, right? Y'all, anybody heard that or get them questions asked maybe at work or by non-believers? And that's a good thing. It's an opportunity for us. To, to stand for truth and righteousness. But God says, I, I do that for you. I, I've demonstrated that for you. God, he provides, we talked about this last month, a forever family. Somebody say forever family. A forever family for you and for me to accept us just as we are. And if I choose, I don't have to do life alone. I don't have to. If you feel alone, if you feel isolated, uh, if you feel like you don't have anybody, it may be because we've chosen that path. We've chosen our path instead of God's path. I'm not saying that's 100% true, but most of the times it probably is. I knew what I should have done, and I didn't. And God, he wants to provide that that. I just love that. That forever family. I'm trying to use something else to say for something new for y'all. Uh, but that forever family for us, that, that can't be revoked, it can't be taken away, right? It's always there for our support. Ephesians 1.5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God has adopted you, calls you son, calls you daughter, calls you his, he actually calls us citizens, imagine this, citizens of heaven. I'm here on earth right now, but I am a citizen of heaven. Look at that next scripture, Ephesians 2.19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners to God, but now you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members, somebody say members, of God's family. You have been chosen. God has a place for you. You are a member of God's forever family. We all have a, an earthly family. We all have members uh, in our family. Each, 
Each person has a place and uh, gifts and um, things that God instills in them. And it's the same way in God's family. We all can bring something to the table. Something to the table. I can all, we can all be used for his glory. We all can be uh, used as instruments of righteousness. Amen. Not just to, to bless our forever family, but also bless our, uh, our church and also bless anybody that we, we come in contact with, right? And it says that we are all members of God's family. I like to explain it like this. A lot of, think, think of your body. There's a lot of parts and a lot of members of your, your body, right? We got legs and uh, feet and toes, and some of us have longer toenails than others. And every part is important, right? We got fingers and hands, or what do they call these phalanges? Anybody paid attention to science class? Phalanges. That sounds cool. Say it with me, phalanges. Phalanges. So we got, we got all these parts of our body. Each one is equally important, right? They all play a part. They all play a role. So it doesn't matter if you're the, the elbow. It doesn't matter if you're the hand. Ian's body is better with each and every single part, right? So I guess the word of encouragement for you today is don't compare the part that you play to somebody else's part that they play, right? Because that's how the enemy comes in to divide. And that's how the kingdom of God, instead of flourishing, begins to suffer, and we're comparing our lives even to people that we love. And we really need to try our best to celebrate each other's gifts and celebrate each other's part and celebrate, and celebrate when we do that, the entire body of Christ. Come on, somebody. Because the entire body of Christ is, gonna, is awesome. It's amazing. And we all play a part in that body of Christ. Amen. That next point. The next I will, the next promise that's made to you and me through Jesus. So God says through Jesus, I will be your God. I love this. And this is a promise of intimacy. God says, I choose you as my people, and I'm gonna, I'm, I am going to be your God. This is a promise of intimacy. This is cool. He is not a God or even the God. He's your God. Isn't that cool? He's not, he's not a God. He's not the God. He's your God. The king of kings says, I am your God. I am your father. This is a promise of a personal love relationship, not religious ritual. Right? And God proves that he's chosen us as his people and that he has made himself our God by sending his son, Jesus, to fulfill that intimacy that only can happen through his son. Right? We can connect with Jesus. We can connect to the Father through what Jesus did in a such an intimate personal way. Right? That's why Jesus had to be fully man and fully God. Right? Because I know he struggled. He struggled with the things that I struggle with. But he was still fully God. Right? When we sometimes think of God we, without Jesus in the mix, and that's really the struggle we're going to look at today, is it was all about rules and rituals. There wasn't the personal relationship, right? It was, it was don't, 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 right? Do, 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 do. And it wasn't until Jesus came and he actually began to preach what the Father was saying all along. Come on, somebody. And a real personal relationship begins to take place. 
and we begin to grow closer with him, and an intimacy happens, right? And that, 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 that faith begins to grow in our lives. So look at Exodus 20, 18 through 21. And so if you read this whole chapter, this is uh, where Moses gets the Ten Commandments, uh, and the people are watching, right? And so we pick up here uh, at verse 18. So this is well before Jesus, right? And it's, it's really trying to establish this, how it was, the, the rules and the rituals of the relationship of uh, what the Israelites and the Jews were, were going through with God the Father. Verse 18, it says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashings, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. Uh, and when the people saw, they trembled and stood far off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his spear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood far off. Moses drew near uh, the thick darkness where God was. It says, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. In the midst of the Ten Commandments coming to the man of God who Moses was to deliver to God's people that God called his also, that he delivered from bondage, uh, from under Pharaoh, out of Egypt, right? God was, what was he doing as we just read? He was testing the faith of his people. And he was testing, he was ultimately going to be testing their obedience, right? And this is why Jesus had to come. Because when I know that God loves me, he doesn't just write down rules for my life. When he proves that he loves me, it actually makes me, how do I say this? Not just want to be obedient, my obedience just happens. And this is the struggle of the Israelites and the Jewish people. They're, 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 God's delivering the law, and it's, it's great, okay? It's necessary. The law got us to grace. The law got us to Jesus. But it just shows how important of a puzzle piece the life of God through Jesus Christ is for you and for me. To walking out our freedom and staying free and walking out our joy and, and staying in a place of joy, right? Because that's what God does through him. See, rules don't bring real freedom. They only hinder and restrict our lives. If you tell me what I can and can't do, I just see the things that I can't do, right? And I might be able to do that for a while, but it's like if I tell you not to think of an orange alligator, what are you thinking about? Don't sin, and you can not sin for a while, but over time it becomes to become a a burden, right? It becomes a weight. It becomes a hindrance. It becomes a thing that restricts my freedom. And I see it as something that holds me back. I feel like I'm missing out on something, right? I can't do this because so-and-so said, or I can't do this because even God said. And this was the struggle uh, of the people, right? And see, when Jesus comes, he transforms us, but he transforms your heart to where you don't see the things that you're missing out on or the things you can't do. You just want to please your father. 
right? I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people who don't want to follow Jesus or live for Jesus because they think, if I live for God, there's all these things that I can't do, right? Am I really going to be able to lay all these things down? But we know when you surrender your life, some of those things just go. Some of those things are a process that I walk out, but God transforms my heart and my mind. And before I know it, I'm free. In Jesus' name, right? I'm free. And that is why it's so important uh, that Jesus came. I'm so thankful. And that he had to come. So let's look at John 17, 3. I'm going to go bam, bam right through these next three scriptures, Drew. And so here's how everything changed, right? They were living according to the law. And at verse, um, verse 3, John 17, 3, says, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one that you sent to earth. The only way to have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 20 through 21. When I am raised to, to life again, you will know that I am uh, in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. He's talking about his commandments and obedience in this scripture. And Jesus says, how do I know the ones that love me, the ones that do what I say? Right? And Jesus really narrowed it down. Sin was no longer just the Ten Commandments. Uh, Paul said, I believe in Romans, sin for you and me now in this new covenant, the, the New Testament is to do the things that I know I shouldn't do. That is sin. And if I do the things I know I shouldn't do and do it anyway, to him it is sin. So really, that changes the whole, that changes the whole spectrum, Right? If I'm right, if I'm right with God and right standing with God, or if I'm maybe living in sin. And sin for you may be different than sin for me. Some are completely black and white. Don't kill somebody, that's sin still. <laughs> Ian, God delivered Ian from alcohol, right? And so some people, do you know, can actually drink and not sin? They can have a glass of wine at dinner. Ian Westbrook can't. I've proven that I can't. Ian Westbrook drinks a glass of wine, it's sin for me, right? Because the Holy Spirit has impressed that conviction upon me. I know what God's delivered me from. And so, but now I don't stand back and judge other people that can actually do that responsibly, amen? Let me say, let me, oh Lord, I went down a rabbit trail. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. If you are a leader in Liberty Church and you can still drink a glass of wine without sinning, you cannot drink because you are a leader in Liberty Church. Okay? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'll reel that back in. We're a celebrate recovery church, right? So we don't want to become a stumbling block for somebody else. They'll maybe look up to you. Maybe run into them at s and and you've got a, a bottle of wine and they're like, Wait, you're, you're leading like men's small group after CR, right? It's not good. So with position and, and the power of authority that God gives us becomes responsibility. Right? And that can be your sacrifice. Amen. Amen. So but God, he, he, Jesus, he does that for us. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home 
with each of them. He says, my father and me will come and make our home with each of them, those who love me and do what I say. And when I know that God has forever proven his love for me, and I can feel that, I can see that in my life, and I can look back at my life, and I just see the love of God and the blessings of God over my life, you know what? It, it moves me to a place of faith. It moves me to a place of compassion. And if I feel moved by what God has done for me, then I physically, my physical body has to begin to move in the right direction for God. I said this at our encounter. When God moves you, he literally moves you. When you know how blessed you are on the inside, it has to manifest on the outside of our lives. And I have to begin to doing things for the kingdom of God. I have to say yes to Jesus. I have to say, okay, God, I may not feel ready on the inside, but I know that I can and that you will because you've done it before and you've said, and so I'm saying yes, and I'm moving for you. God moved for us, right? He sure did. He moved from heaven to earth, from earth to a cross, because he was moved on the inside with love and compassion for you. So if God did that for you and you see that, you had that revelation, then we have to move on the outside for him. Amen? So that God can bring glory to earth through you and through me. Amen? So the kingdom of God can grow and the kingdom of God can expand. Amen? That next point, that last, uh, next I will statement we're going to look at today. God says through Jesus, I will bring you into the promised land. Amen. This is my favorite part. The promised land that God calls you to. He doesn't want you to stay bound in the darkness and in the struggle and in the battle. He has a place prepared for you. It says this is a promise of process. The process of sanctification. And one day the Israelites came out of Egypt, but it took 40 years years to get Egypt out of them, right? In one day, God supernaturally delivered them. And so this promised land is really, it's metaphorical for you and for me in a spiritual way. The promised land is symbolic of total freedom for you and for me. Somebody say total freedom. God wants you to live in total freedom. What would that look like? What would that feel like if that thing that you struggle with was gone? You didn't struggle with it anymore. That's total freedom. And he doesn't want to just do that in that one area of your life. He wants you to do that with every area of your life through trusting in the life of Jesus. And so here's the thing. God supernaturally one day delivered Israel from the hands of bondage. Bondage is symbolic and metaphorical for you and me. That's, that's our sin. They, were, they weren't really necessarily in sin, but they were in bondage. And one day they got delivered, but it took 40 years for all the junk and the stuff that was deposited inside of them to come out. <laughs> and so if you've been living a certain way for 10, 20, 30, 40 years... Yes, I've seen people get supernaturally set free in Jesus' name, but depending on what it is, how many times you've done it, how long you've been doing it, how, how, how rude of an issue it is, it may take 40 years. 
But God wants you to trust him because God, he still promises the promised land for you and for me. He will and can do it. See, but that promise is also the prom- promise of the process. We said that God's uh, yes and amen are yes and amen, right? It doesn't mean right now. So God has a promised land for you and for me, but there is a process of sanctification. And so in order for me to walk in the power of God, see, sanctification is this process of holiness. God begins to draw the righteousness out. Sanctification uh, is a process of, of purification. Sanctification and purification go hand in hand. And so for us to walk in the power of the freedom of God, I first have to be pure in the eyes of God. Does anybody see that? For you to first walk in power, see, everybody wants power, but who wants purity? Do you want purity for your life? To get to the power, you have to be sanctified. You have to be purified. And the more pure I am, the more power I have. Who struggled with uh, addiction in here? Anybody? Amen. Thank you for being honest. I struggled with addiction. When you were in addiction, what did you want to try and get your hands on the most? The most pure form of whatever it is you were trying to get your hands on. And you want to get your hands on the most pure form of whatever you're trying to get your hands on because it has more power. So maybe God hasn't used you or isn't using you yet because the power that you actually want, he can't use because you haven't been purified first in Jesus' name. He's trying to get his hands on the children that have first been sanctified and purified through the process of believing in his son Jesus. It's a daily, daily, intimate relationship. The more I say yes to God, the more I'm purified. The more I'm I'm cleansed. The more I'm sanctified. The stronger I become. The more I believe. The more faith I have. The more expectation I have. Right? In Jesus' name. See, and if I don't choose his process, and I choose the world's process, and I stay stuck in my sin, it's probably not going to end well. I got a story I want to tell you. So this week I was working. I think most of y'all know I uh, work for Target Pest Control uh, on the side of being a full-time pastor. And so I was doing a service call, actually at another church, and uh, I was walking through spraying the race boards and checking my bait boxes and uh, checking my glue traps and stuff. And I happened to walk across uh, one one of the rooms and and, uh, see this. Go ahead and show it. I was waiting for somebody to say something. I actually asked Pastor Jessica if this was appropriate to show. And she has a real light stomach. And she said, yeah. So I said, okay, if you can handle it, then I'm going to show it. <clears throat> so you can thank her. Amen. But uh, the Lord showed me something through this picture. Let's call him the, uh, Frank the Mouse, I guess. And there's a lesson learned from Frank the Mouse. And uh, <laughs> we actually have a men's uh, texting group. And uh, I was working, and I, I saw this guy. I said, oh, I done good. See, we, in the men's text group, really, we don't do much of anything other than share 
share memes and funny stories and talk about football. And, you know, we share some wins throughout the week. So this is a win at work, right? This is, I, I did my job. So I, I sent it to him. I said, look, look what I got, guys. And uh, actually, uh, Matt Green, where's Matt at? Give Matt a big hand. I, I love Matt. He's always funny. He said something along the lines that was very profound, and the Holy Spirit just used what he said for me to drive this home for us. And he said, man, he was halfway to freedom. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Matt? You ain't lying. He was halfway to freedom. And the Lord was showing me most Christians live their way, their life, this way. Halfway to freedom. God calls them into the promised land. And he wants to draw them out. And we're stuck. Somebody say stuck. Stuck has a deeper meaning for you and me this morning. We're literally stuck in our sin. Stuck in our bondage. See, and the thing is, the enemy uses sin to entice us. And guess what at Target Pest Control? Our glue boards smell like peanut butter. <laughs> so Frankie the Mouse was enticed and dragged away and ultimately stuck to the thing that he wanted and it ultimately killed him. So maybe this morning your sin might smell like peanut butter. If you say, Pastor Ian, my sin don't, I don't like peanut butter. Your sin may look and smell a little different. Your sin may smell like cigarettes. Your sin may look like pornography. Your sin may be a drug or an alcohol or an adulterous relationship. And if you don't enter in fully to what God is trying to do into the promised land, you are going to find yourself stuck living two lives and ultimately, it may take your life, your physical life. And not just your physical life, it may take your spiritual inheritance and spiritual life. Amen? Because God wants you totally free, totally set free in the promised land. Long story short, don't be like Frank the Mouse. Amen? Be like the Son of God who is Jesus Christ. Amen. Here's the cool thing. Philippians 1.6 says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished, excuse me, on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That scripture, that statement declares that there's a process because it says, I'm confident in what God has started. He will see it finished. So I know there's a process. I have to remain confident in this. Like I said this morning, Psalms 27, 13, that I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will see and experience the promised land, the blessings of God. You can believe and know that God can and will because he's already been there. He's already seen it. He's already prepared a, a way, a place. Right? So that thing that is holding you back, Man, literally, all you have to do, and maybe physical, but it, spiritual as well, you just have to let it go. If you let it go, God's hand's over here, and he just wants to take your other hand and say, okay, let's do this. You let go with this hand, and you give your other hand to God, and you say, let's do this. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. I believe you. I believe 
that you can. Amen? Amen. So he promises us the promised land. That, that fires me up. Man, I feel like, shook him, I feel like we're already in the promised land, but he's got something better. He's got something better for us. You know what? He's got something better for you. If your life is good right now, you think, man, how could it get it? It's going to get better. Somebody say better. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That last, that last point we're going to give you today. That last I will statement. God says through Jesus, I will give you your inheritance. And this is a promise of possession. We will take possession of every promise God has for our life, either now or in eternity. And so there are literal promises that we will get here on earth before we die and go to heaven one day. And then there are also eternal promises that God wants to give us possession of. And so God, he wants us to receive our inheritance. Our inheritance is a tangible thing. And so don't resist. Why would you resist what God is trying to give you? Does that make any sense? Why do we resist the inheritance that God is trying to freely give me? That's the thing that's going to catapult me. That's the thing that the enemy knows if I could just enter into that, that place, if I could just walk into that, that place of faith, that he knows, man, I'm going to the next place. I'm going to the next hill. I'm going to the next promise, the next blessing, whatever it is. Because God, he wants us to take possession of that promise, right? And so he wants us to possess the good things so that our inheritance can be manifested on earth. If you and I uh, possess the inheritance, are our families better? Yes. yes. Are our ministries better? Yeah. Right? Is our church better? Is our, am I better uh, at my job? Everything becomes better when I'm in possession of the promise. When I'm in possession of the inheritance, when I'm walking in that full blessing, everything is better. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased, purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. Jesus had to go so that his Spirit could come. Because before Jesus was crucified, his Spirit would come, and it would go. It would come, uh, and it would go. And Jesus says, it's imperative that I go so that my spirit can come. And when my spirit comes, it's a guarantee of the inheritance from the Father. It's a guarantee of the possession of the presence and the peace and the power that I want to live inside of you and to flow freely from you. It's a guarantee and an inheritance of the possession of the promise. 2 Corinthians 1.22, it says, And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything, somebody say everything, that he has promised us. Everything that he has promised us is through the importance of that relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. They are all totally united in agreement. Three separate entities, all God, all equally God. 
I pray to God the Father. I pray in the name of Jesus, and I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're in total agreement. The Holy Spirit always directs whatever thing it is he's trying to tell you to Jesus. And Jesus directs everything that he's trying to teach you or show you to the Father. In total agreement. All that inheritance for you and for me. And then that last scripture I want to give you today is 1 Corinthians 15, um, 50 through 54. And so God, he, like I said, he gives us an earthly inheritance and he also has a heavenly inheritance for us. And at verse 50 it says, What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you the wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Heaven's going to be awesome, but did you know that your physical body can't contain the blessings that are going to come from heaven? You're going to need a new body. Somebody say new body. You're going to need an inheritance waiting for you. You're going to need to have possession of a promise that God has declared over your life. So this morning, I want you to know that heaven is your rightful inheritance. God calls you his. God chooses you. Heaven is your rightful inheritance. But right now is heaven in your possession. How do you know that you're guaranteed that you're going to go there? You can have that possession of the promise in only one thing. And you can have that guarantee if your faith is in Jesus Christ. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, then not only is heaven your inheritance, but right now heaven is your possession. You believe, you receive, you can feel it. It's that guarantee on the inside of you because you know the Holy Spirit's alive and working in your life, right? And so I want to do something. If, let's all bow our head and close our eyes. If you have that possession right now, if you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I want you right now to pray for the lost. I want you to, if there's somebody you know that's lost, maybe somebody you work with, a family member, I want you to pray for the lost because here's the cool thing. Because you are a possession of that promise, you can manifest that power of blessing on the lost, on people who need that same guarantee. See, they're promised that, that inheritance also, but see, do they have the possession right now? And so I want you to pray for the lost. If you're here this morning and you don't have that guarantee, you have, if there's any doubt, a single doubt that says, if I die today, I don't know where I'm going, then you don't have the possession of the promise. I don't want you to leave here without that possession of knowing that God loves you and he accepts you and he wants you to enter into heaven one day too. 
And so if that's you right now, I want you to do something for me. We're all praying for you right now. I want you to boldly just stand up. Something you do every day, you, you, you take it for granted. You stand up and you sit down every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heaven rejoices. <laughs> there are people standing. Hallelujah. Stay standing. And I just want to pray over you. And I want to lead our church into a prayer. I want you to know that heaven is rejoicing right now. And Liberty Church is rejoicing right now. You're literally going to leave here with the possession of the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. So I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, God, we believe that you are the Son of God. You were perfect without sin. And I believe that you are. God, I receive that promise of forgiveness and eternal life. I trust you this day forward with the rest of my life. I ask this by faith. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Man, that excites me. The kingdom of God just grow. Amen. God is smiling down today. Amen. Well, is anybody glad you came to church today? Yeah? Awesome. Well, uh, we are so glad you came too, okay? So we love you. Uh, you are dismissed. Enjoy your Sunday. And come back and see us next week, okay?